The Nuggets had a must-win game in game five at home. They won. It's 3-2. The Nuggets are one win away from the conference finals. This is Locked on Nuggets. You are Locked on Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. We appreciate you guys being part of our community and listening to us, making us your first listen. Whether you're an everydayer, a sometimes dare, an occasional dare, we want you to always be an everydayer, but we appreciate you guys being with us no matter where and when. If you're joining us on YouTube, where the comment section is absolutely bumping after a Nuggets game five win, lots of folks in there, hikers in there, Zamora's in there, Danny's in there, Joe's in there, Dr. Van the Strand, my favorite Twitter handle or handle on the YouTubes, Alexander Pavicevich uh, is in there. Lots of folks hanging out with us on a Wednesday as we will talk about the Denver Nuggets win over the Suns in game five of the Western Conference semifinal series. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Check it out on the Game Time app. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by Adam Mares. He's director of content for DMVR. You can check out the pre and post game shows as well as Nuggets content daily over at DMVR and check out the DMVR bar, the best place for you to watch any Colorado sports in the universe, in all multiverses. Whatever that, whatever, when in future sports that are invented, you'll still be able to watch the best games and have the most fun at the DMVR bar. Adam, how was the DMVR bar last night for the night? It was good. Yeah, it was good. Solid crowd. And then obviously Um, fun. Gotta say, amazing crowd at Ball Arena last night. I have so much respect for what the atmosphere at games has become. And it's, I, I say this very sincerely, it is almost entirely just because of the fans um it, the fans have made those games and their energy has been incredible and consistent and they haven't been fickle or overly frustrated it's been nothing but positive vibes and the, the team is obviously fed off that as they are, remain undefeated at home in the nba playoffs this season i will say it is one of the drags though about the other side of the bracket it's it's one of the only drags what is that warriors lakers are the two teams i feel most because in a playoffs, it's usually like the Nuggets fans, you know, it you don't get so much of the other stuff. Oh, the yeah. two teams are like, it's going to be inevitable, but whatever. You gotta, you're going to have to buy those tickets and show up to protect your home court. Um, they have more money. <laughs> Nuggets get the win in game five, 118-102. There's a lot of places that we can go to in this episode. We're going to kind of wander through this. Third segment, we're going to talk about the decision not to play Peyton Watson or change the rotation in game five and why we both feel it was a mistake. I haven't even talked to Adam about it, and I know that we both were on the same page about it. Um, so let's start here, though. Um, look. The, the, I have a lot of things on the on the list of things of that I felt were really important in this game because I tended I tend to be like, well, yeah, this happened because this guy's awesome, right? I don't want to gloss over it. Nikola Jokic, like Jokic was critical of himself, I think, because of his stat line in the first half. He was missing bunnies at the rim on putbacks. I don't think Joker played badly in the first half. I think Joker was good in the first half. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's the thing. Sometimes he misses shots, but I thought everything else was fantastic. Joker in the third quarter was sublime. He was incredible. 
the sets they ran were really good for him too. The opening pin down in the third quarter to get him loose off of um, a screen. He back screens for Porter. There's miscommunication. Aiden covers Porter and leaves Joker and Joker comes around and hits that jumper. And like, from that moment, I was like, uh Oh, like, I was like, Oh, this is the, they, they look like they have, have locked in and they did. They absolutely locked in um, making plays for others, doing all the things that he needs to do. He's started off like from the field really terribly and Joker finishes with 29 points, 13 rebounds, 12 assists, a plus 18, one steal, uh, two blocks. So three stocks for Joker, 12 of 20 from the field, two of three from three point range. He was eight of nine in the second half last night as the Nuggets put away game five. I have a question that I've wanted to ask you since I was driving home last night. Um, I, and then there's like, look, we have a lot to get to in the game, but I, I genuinely want to get your answer on this. What is it like for you as somebody that saw the potential in Jokic from the very beginning, you were ahead of everyone and you've been very like, to your credit, you've been very humble about it. You could have been much more of an, ins- I would have been much more of an insufferable jackass about being this right about something that was this unlikely, but how does it feel for you to watch him in this game play like this, play this well, dominate in such a huge moment as somebody that saw that potential all the way back from the beginning? Well, first of all, I'll probably be insufferable if they win a championship. Like that's that you save some th- things up for when you have the ultimate you know, solid ground to stand on. Um, no, I mean, the whole thing, we're all experienced. As much as, yeah, like I was ahead of the curve. I mean, what does that really mean? That was nine years ago. The, we are all experiencing this this thing together and seeing Jokic go from just one level up every single time is incredible. What I will say is, you know, he had a tough defense in, in round one. He averaged 26, 12, and nine, which are like Hall of Fame numbers. And I think that's probably more in line as much as I'm high on him and think he can reach even bigger heights, 35, 13, and 10 that he's averaging in this series, a little bit to do with the matchup. I mean, he needed to dominate this matchup. They don't have the personnel to, to guard him. They are guarding him straight up. And the the one thing I'll say that's nice is I hate the narrative that the best way to guard the Nuggets is just let Jokic score. I'm glad that that is looking more and more foolish with every game that goes by because he scores as well as anyone. I mean, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant might be the two best scores in the NBA right now at the level Devin Booker's playing at, and yet they're both trailing him in points per game. So for, for me, it's really great, but I don't want to – it looks like the path if Denver gets on, not to get too far ahead. You go up against Anthony Davis, you get past that, you go up against Joel Embiid. It's not going to be like – he's not going to average 35 in the next two series. So I'm going to enjoy this one while it's happening. Fair. Okay. Good, good perspective there. Um, I want to give – there's two players that I felt were really pivotal to their success last night, and I want to start with Jamal. Um, I was extremely critical of Jamal Murray after game four, and every time I rewatched that game, I was I got more and more like frustrated with how he approached that game. Yeah. Uh, Jamal's approach to the game last night – was terrific he was active in getting other guys involved he looked for other guys he like adam and i've really singled in on yeah he's got all these assists but how many of them are there to Jokic? he got assists to kcp he got assists to mpj he got assists to, to other guys he got guys involved 
and he did a really good job. He set the table for that team, and I asked him about it, and he was like, "I." He's like, "You know, I missed a couple of shots early, and I, I realized like, okay, maybe it's not going for me. I that's like that's how, what I need to do." And like that kind of put the performance in a little bit of a different perspective, which is like if you feel like you're getting good looks and you feel like you're getting the opportunity to score as a player, like maybe he deserves that trust to, to make those kind of reads. But I will say that regardless of, of game four, his game five, I thought feel for the game, his effort on defense, his engagement, the awesome and one finish on Landry. Oh, a tech well-earned Katie missed the, the tech by the tech free throw, by the way. Um, his approach to the game last night, I thought was absolutely phenomenal. Jamal Murray was terrific in this game. I thought, I thought so too. I mean, the first half was shaky. The, he had some ter- the the end of the first quarter where he gets his shot blocked, and then I think had another turnover. So he had two turnovers at the end of the, the final minute. Denver had a fifteen point lead. I think it got whittled down to eleven going into the end of the quarter. So I actually thought he was shaky in the first half, not just missing shots, but in the second half. To your point, he came out determined, and and obviously got going. I think Landry Shamit. He allowed Landry, Landry Shamit to get under his skin, which is good. I mean this in a good way for Jamal. I think it's best. He's one of those guys that needs to be kind of slapped around a little to get going. Um, but the broader point about he was aggressive but wasn't tunnel visioned, that's the right note. The, the fear, and Malone referenced this in the pregame, the fear in telling Jamal, hey, we need you, you know, to distribute the ball or this or that, is you don't want him to scale down the aggressiveness. You don't want him to like become a passive player who's just a floor manager. You need Jamal Murray, the attacker, Jamal Murray, the scorer. And I thought last night he had a – in the second half in particular, the, he struck the right balance of attacking to look to score but also considering that he's the point guard of this team. I thought it was the perfect balance. On the other side, I want to talk about why I thought this was Michael Porter Jr.'s best playoff game as a Denver Nugget. We'll get to more reaction and more breakdown as the Nuggets take a 3-2 lead over the Phoenix Suns. But first, I need to tell you about the Game Time app. Game Time is the best place for you to find flash deals, so you can pick up those tickets last second and get great prices on any sort of event you want to go to. Football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, Game Time is going to credit you 110% of the difference. You're going to get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect. And you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps, and you're set. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Make sure to follow Adam on Twitter at Adam underscore Maras. If you're in the chat, we've got 261 people hanging out with us after a Game 5 win. Make sure to hit the like button. Do that for us. Helps us out a lot. Promote the show. Really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> Leah Bozit says, do you think Moach is watching live or comes in later to review Locked on Nuggets? um i'm i'm i feel pretty confident that the team is distributing like transcripts of various sections of our show because there were various points that felt very uh pointed in terms of criticisms i specifically have had (laughs) Uh, we'll see maybe i'm just in my head about that um i want i want to because i got asked about on twitter which is the reason i want to kind of bring this up i had a terrible feeling about this game for the nuggets I had I, all day pit in my stomach, just like, uh-oh, lost Adam. Um, 
pit of my stomach, just like they're gonna lose this game. Like the Suns are gonna win this game. The Suns are gonna win the series, right? Um, and it was like, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I was wrong. And it, it just kind of is like an indication of like why you can't trust those kind of things because like all of the information, like all of the data in retrospect, were like, yeah, the Nuggets are gonna win this game. Like they they don't like Harrison before the game when I told him I was like I have a terrible idea. He's like, oh no. He was like, they don't lose at home. He's like, they never lose at home. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. And then like, they didn't lose at home. Now, not done yet, right? They got another home game in the series, let alone going forward. Um, but I just kind of want to say like, look, I do the best I can, but like I'm human and I'm subject to those kind of like, I try and I don't want to, I don't know this. Honestly, I might be somebody that just doesn't need to trust their instincts. I don't know that my instincts are that good, but like that was the instinct that I had. And that's what I said. And I was wrong. And so I look dumb and I'm totally okay with that. The thing I, is you also had nuggets in six, man. So this is, this is actually why I was so bummed that you changed your, I think you got it. I think you have it right. Yep. Yep. And I will say this, like, I don't get credit for the nuggets in six now. I don't get credit <laughs> oh, for it. No. Like I flipped on it. Yeah. Oh, no, no I've, it, once you bail. Once you, yeah. I think you're right. Actually. Yeah. I no, I don't get credit there. for it. Like, yeah. and here's the thing is like, uh, to actually put this into a thing for us to talk about rather than a thing about me is I am still operating so much on what I've seen from this team in previous seasons when all year I've been like, this Nuggets team isn't like other ones. Yeah. They're like, matured. The, the, the team from 2019, 2020, those two playoff runs, that team definitely either loses or this game is way closer. Like they don't put on that performance last night, but this team is just is built differently and wired differently than those teams and you're right they are more mature and, and also just better i mean Jokic is better than he was three years ago and sure. more capable i mean think about <laughs> matt we really didn't spend that much time on the fact that Jokic scored 53 points i know it's a thing that we're like yeah of course he did i mean yeah. yeah he was a little hot you know he ran a little hot but then so i think that this team is just so much if, if Jokic would have scored 53 points two seasons ago in a playoff game, like I would still be talking about it. Yeah. That's how big a deal. And this one, it was just game four. So yeah. this team is matured. They're, they're better. Um, they've got, you know, more pieces, but I will say, you know, I know in segment three, we'll talk about some of the adjustments for me. First of all, Bruce Brown was fantastic. Yes. You could, there's a lot of ways you can whittle a game down and say, this is why they won. But one of them is Bruce Brown have 25 points, his best game of the postseason, I would say so far. Um, and that the difference between the Nuggets bench having a good because you only got five points from Christian Brown, four points from Jeff Green. If Bruce Brown gives you eight points, we're talking about how bad the bench was offensively again. But instead, Bruce gave you twenty five. Yeah, ignored, as many points as Kevin Durant, one one shy of Kevin Durant, and because of that, this was a blowout win. So that's a huge part of it. But I do think that Denver deciding to make Booker work just a little bit harder made an impact. And I was starting to worry that Booker was the best conditioned athlete in the world <laughs> and that he was just always going to shoot 80% because the yeah. game was coming easy to him. I think this was the hardest game for Devin Booker physically and perhaps not coincidentally, it was the worst he shot. And I just think that conscious decision by Denver um, is hopefully a lesson that we're going to carry with them going forward. Uh, he tweaked his foot on that weird play in the first half could be that too suns fans are not suns fans suns reporters are pretty keyed in on that uh gerald over at phnx who was like the sane one over there is like he's very he's very much like 
this is this seems like it's a thing. It's a foot injury, not an ankle injury, most notably. So that's got to be a concern, I think, especially because I think Booker was Booker was he had 19 on five of eight, I think, in the first half. Um, now he had some threes late too, so it's like okay. But I agree with you. I think the conditioning did wear him out. Like they looked like Tony Jones and the Athletic. None of this that they looked exhausted. Um, I want to talk about MPJ. So um, Jeff Morton, who's in the chat, by the way, uh, my wife. I was talking to my wife this morning, and she said. I said how I thought this was an absolutely phenomenal game from MPJ and he got them started early. And then like the scoring kind of subsided, but I thought MPJ's effort and performance all throughout the game was absolutely terrific on both ends. I'll talk a little bit more about why, but one of the things that my wife said after like Jeff was talking about how, when, when MPJ gets going early, it gets the nuggets going. And my wife said, um, she said she, he's like, he's an, he, he's a three point support person. <laughs> like he's an emotional three point support person where like when he's hitting those threes, it emotionally boosts them. And she compared it to when uh, JT Comfer hits, gets a goal for the abs and what that does for them. And I thought that was like a really great comparison by my extremely smart wife. Um, who's going to Scotland and leaving me alone with the kids for a week. Um, but my, oh, wow. my mother-in-law's coming. I can't say alone. Um, right. I, so MPJ talked, I asked him about, about, you know, getting other guys involved after game four. And he was very, very careful to be like, we need to get KCP more involved. And he was like, I need to make myself more available, which is like shows the maturity of him in answering these questions as opposed to being like, Hey, maybe I can touch the ball every now and again, made himself available. Jamal looked for him. Like that's how it should. Jamal looked for him though. I will say Jamal was very clearly looking for him more in this game. He had a pass to him where Murray drove into like the trees and I was like, come on, Murray, what are you doing? Porter's wide open. And he actually was looking for Porter. He was just drunk. And I was like, oh, there you go. He found it. So I just, I think it was conscious, but I'm with you. I do like that Michael Porter is at least vocalizing the, what can I do to and, give myself a better yeah. chance? And he was aggressive without being dumb about it. Yeah. Like that transition three-pointer that I think was blocked in game four. That yeah. was a really terrible shot. That was an example of him like, I better get this up because I don't know how many opportunities and I got to try and make an impact on the game. And it's like, no, like make sure that you're like, if you work, you're going to get the right shots. And I thought his shot selection was great. He didn't drive into traffic and turn the ball over. He wasn't driving into nowhere in this game. His defense was really to this part. Do what? Yeah. I just, I'm saying, yeah, get this part. His defense was awesome in this game. Um, There was a sequence where he, he's guarding, but he did a really good job on Booker because Booker kept being like, he, Booker sized him up twice in the series in the first play of a, of a game. He got uh, a uh, goal 10 twice on him in the series and Booker's been trying to size him up, but like all the stuff that you talked about with the size, the length, all those types of things, he has crowded Booker and he was crowding him and KCP comes over for a hard double on Booker. Cause they need to, cause Booker's insane. Sure. And when they do that though, mpj like turns and immediately scrams out of it and like makes a perfect rotation to the weak side and they were trying to get the rotation over there like booker was too deep so he was like i can't reverse the ball so he swings it to the top of the key and in previous games that would have been an open kick to the corner for a three but mpj is there so it freezes it and then they have to reset the possession it was really 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 good there was only one possession that i found where mpj where joker actually yelled at him um but other than that like everything else in this game i thought was absolutely terrific from mpj the rebounding is huge this was a phenomenal game from mpj yeah it really was the defense i love that you pointed it out though because to me that's the story we have not talked about porter's bad defense once in the playoffs 
Have there been bad plays? Yes, late rotations, but nothing more than what you would expect from just you know the default yes. Murray or everyone's Porter got or one. Everyone's got one in the series, so it's nothing exceptional. Yeah, but more to the point, he's not the mark. Like teams are not trying to go at him because it's not favorable to work to get him switched on to you. At least for Devin Booker, I mean, there are players. You know, if you get a, against a speedy guard, I don't know who that would be. Maybe a Tyrese Maxey at that point or something like that. Like there are guys that I think are going to be tougher matchups for him. But Booker being a guy that wants to get into the mid-range and shoot jumpers, Porter's too long, man. And the, yeah. the length really matters. And I know we'll talk about this in segment three. But Porter's defense in the whole playoffs has turned heads. And I'm just like with Jokic, people, even the haters starting to be like, okay, I was wrong. I see it now. I get what it is. With Porter, it's more pronounced because I don't think anybody has been publicly caping for Porter the good defender. But I see a lot of people talking about, man, I did not realize he was going to be this solid defensively. And it's it's Michael Porter's the best story of the Nugget season. I've to, I've told people this, like Jamal Murray's return, the team coming together. There's all kinds of great stories. But if I had to pick one, it's so rare for a player of Porter's talent level to mold himself into something the team needs, even when that is less like honorable or exciting and flashy than the thing he wants. And the fact that he has done that at a high level – and we know, even last game, he hinted at, yeah, I wish I shot more. I wish I got the ball more. Like, even though he still clearly, I think, wants and deserves more touches, the fact that he has made himself a good defender, made himself a good off-ball player, made himself a good team player, makes himself a good rebounder when needed, it's one of the cool stories that is harder to tell on Twitter and maybe harder to tell on, on, little, on debate shows on ESPN. But it's when you watch a team and you follow them this closely, it's one of the stories that's like, yeah, remember when Porter molded into the thing that the Nuggets needed from him? That was really cool. Do you know how many times in my career I've heard a player say, well, yeah, I don't care about stats. I don't care about that stuff. I just want to win. Yeah. And you know how often that means? Like, yeah, but because like, this is this is always my critique with another uh, famous Nuggets wing um, scorer was like, if you believe that there's only one way that you can win, which is you being the star and you taking 30 shots and you having 50 point games that influences how you play. And MPJ has literally been like, I want it. Like he said, like, well, I just want to win and he's done it. He backed it up. Yeah. And like that engagement is really there. And I think, you know, it's a credit to him and it's a credit to the team for looking to get him involved um i just it's it all kind of speaks to the nuggets collective approach to last night which i thought was really excellent um you mentioned bruce brown let's go back to him for a second getting downhill one of the things i really liked about this game was there was starting to be this narrative of like man landry shamit wow what what a defender huh and like landry's landry's fine like landry, landry plays hard i i did like that the nuggets were kind of like no, we're not getting beat by Landry Shamit. Both Jamal and Bruce Brown were like, no, this is not happening. And Bruce is just like, he was relentless attacking the room. And when you put that much energy in, and like this is so key for those bench guys, it really just is like, you're just going to have to force the issue. Like you're going to have to beat them with hustle and effort because you're not going to beat them with execution. You are not talented enough on that second unit to be able to generate that. And when they did that, it absolutely worked out. And Bruce deserves a ton of credit i think for his approach in the playoffs he's been excellent throughout the entire playoffs and especially in this game getting downhill and providing that spark it was absolutely monstrous for uh the nuggets he did a great job in this game yeah he really did i mean i want to go back and really key on on in on what was so great um about what he did in this in this game because to be honest with you i'm not i'm not i can't really tell you but what i'll look at is the nuggets are 
five and zero in the playoffs when he has twelve or more points. His scoring is really important. That means they are two and three when he has eleven or fewer points. Again, that's not the perfect correlation, but it it, is, it does tell you that they need points off the bench, and he's the most likely consistent player to provide it. Um, and so, whether it's chicken or egg, whatever it is with him, when he's scoring, Denver t- tends to be winning. Uh, on the other side, we'll get into the coaching. We'll talk about the decision not to expand the rotation. We'll talk about some of the adjustments that Michael Malone made that I don't think some fans, not all, some fans uh, are missing. And we'll talk about what we see going into game six on the other side. We'll do that when we can return on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked on Nuggets, thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Uh, I think if you're listening to this, you probably are a fan of DMVR. If you're not, make sure you go check out DMVR. Become Is it a member? I, I am one, but is it a member? What do you guys die, call die, it? We call them diehards. Diehards. Become a diehard. I'm subscribed. Go do that. It's worth it. It's awesome. Another um, another cool Bruce one, man. The Nuggets are undefeated. So they're 7-0 and when he's a minus two or better. So he's a plus in, in, all, in six of those. He was a minus two in one of them. That so I mean it's, I know it's an oversimplification, but you just can't get killed on the benchments. We've said it all year. The games they have lost, Bruce Brown has been a minus fourteen, a minus eleven, and a minus eight. It's um, funny how consistent that is, Matt, with the Nuggets. Just don't get killed in the bench minutes. Just and don't you're get killed. Gonna win. Minus three is fine. Um, do you want to talk about the good or the bad from Malone first? Um, let's do the good. All right. Uh. He talked about he, – he had a really good – Brendan Vogt asked a very good question about the decision to pressure Booker full court, to put more pressure on him higher up. And Malone gave a really great answer where he was like, we did it. We had a film session, and he talked about his experience and his dad telling him, like, this is not college. Like, you are not Bob Knight. Like, these are professionals. This is a collaborative thing. About how the team together kind of came to set, together and made the decision, like, we got to wear Booker down. with The stuff that we were talking about on the last show, like, they did it. They put a lot more pressure on Booker. Um, there were small variations that they changed up here in terms of some of the, of the assignments that they put on, on various guys. Aaron took on the Booker assignment a little bit more in this game and it was really effective. And I wonder if that carries through to game six. I want to go back though and see, because I'm not sure how much of that was designed and how much of that was just like in transition. He picks him up and then did a great job and maybe there's something to be unlocked about that. Yeah. I mean, we can, we can check it. I haven't gone back and done that either. Um, but I do think that there's maybe something to see from that perspective. Totally um, is. I think that I think this this win. I think this is the majority of this win goes on the on the players, as most wins in the NBA do. Um, I do think that Malone made adjustments. My bigger thing here is just like when people. Th- th- this is what happens if you don't change. If he doesn't bench Jeff Green, Malone made no adjustments. It's like okay, guys, like there's a holistic picture we got to look at, and that's my only point here is you got to keep that in mind. Is like there are always adjustments happening, and a lot of times like I'm not going to catch them. Adam catches way more of them than I do. Like and it's always on rewatch to be honest with you. I mean, you can catch personnel and you can catch big picture, big sweeping things, but a lot of the things, and I've been trying to highlight this on the list. A lot of them have been subtleties of like how players attack tendencies. So you, you know, the sun's trying to create more spacing uh, when they're drawing the double team was an adjustment that looks the same until you start to be like, okay, they're positioning themselves two feet extra here, two feet extra here. And now the closeout is six total feet further and it makes a difference. So there are a lot of adjustments, but usually you have to rewatch a game to really dissect it. 
Um, okay, let's uh, go here. Um, well, hold on. So pressuring Booker was part of it, and even just working Booker more. Yeah. Instead of letting him just sit in the corner and guard a steady player, I felt like there was more off-ball action. And when Booker was on Murray, they ran him off of screens a lot more just to make him run around the court. I honestly think it made an impact. Um, but Denver, to me, has to do this in game six even more. Booker is going to shoot better at home. Um, they're going to play more desperate. You have to wear him down even more at home. So I think I hope Denver doesn't like scale back at all. I hope they ramp up the things that worked in game five. You have the edge on him. You gotta, you've got to it, – it's like a – it's like in a video game where the – it's down to like here, like the bars is low. you got to get him down to zero. Yep, it's the only yep. way you're going to be able to, especially on the road, is the only way you're going to be able to get a win. I, they can't – the Suns can't win without Booker going off. I just – I, I don't see a path for them nope. winning a game where Booker plays like he did in game five, which is to say good but not great. I they mean, have – and the best way to do that is to wear him out on both ends. Here's a lot of it is like, you know, Suns fans are stressed about KD right now, and I understand why. My thing, though, is like KD can have a phenomenal game scoring, and he's not going to impact the game the way Booker does. And I say that as somebody who has a lot of respect for KD. I think KD is incredible. He's one of the best players I've ever watched. He doesn't impact the game the way Booker does. Not for that team. They're just not built that way. Right. You know, maybe that changes next season, but that's not how it is now. Um, Peyton Watson is set to check in. Malone pulls him back. This is true. That's what Harrison said. So I'm trusting on. Yeah, Harrison. I know because I saw the tweet, and then I. But then I never. Yeah, okay. Um, you so didn't I, notice this. I didn't see it. Um, okay. Jeff Green goes ahead and plays the rotation. And now, like, I'll just like broadly state this: it was a mistake. Like, it was a mistake not to open up the rotation. You're at home. You are up double digits, especially third quarter. Second quarter, I kind of get it. The game was close enough. You're tra- like the bench is going is is in a like a little bit of a dog fight. You don't want it to go too south so that you're down at half. I understand like all those reasons. When they had the in- incredible third quarter, from that perspective, it's like, well, I don't want to blow. You know, I don't want to waste all the good stuff that we did in the third. No, 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 like the game was over. Like you could tell the Suns were like, all right, not tonight. Let's regroup. Oh, noteworthy. I felt like the Suns had a little quit in them in Game Five. That, I'm bit. glad you little- brought that up little bit there was a little quit in them that i was a little like mm, that's sure. why i don't understand why monty didn't pull him earlier it was yeah. a really it was a really weird decision to be like no, no no let's play booker and kd 40 40 plus minutes even though that like they are very much in the mindset of like all right let's just go back and get game six there was just like rebounds where they were like well if it bounces my way i'll get it yeah yeah there was not, they were not fighting they look gassed like tony they look tired yeah. but they look gassed um also by the way though real quick another take that we've had matt is Playing ahead in the series makes a huge, huge, huge difference. And Denver being up, obviously being up 20 is one thing, and 24 at one point, like that's part of why they quit. But I also just think having a lead against this team in the second half, they become 50% as good. And it's just such a huge thing. I agree. They ride a lot of momentum. Like that's a positive way to kind of spin it. (laughs) The negative is like they're front runners and they don't know what to do against adversity the positive way to spin it is like they ride momentum, right? When things are, when they, when they find it, they're able to do it. I think this is a trait of most offensive teams. Like they're not a defensive team. They're an offensive team. And when you're up, it's just easier to be an offensive team. That's that's why Miami's so good. Right. Is like, that's why Miami's so good is like the opposite of that is Miami's fine being down 10. Like they're going to keep battling because they stay so locked into to culture and process. And they're like, let's get this to five and then we can, we can snake it. Um, Watson should have played. I don't know. Like, I don't know what else to say here. Like I'm not, 
as the resident Jeff Green person, and Jeff Green had a handful of good plays offensively last night, but the defense was still bad. The minutes were still negatives. Like Jeff, like Jeff Green shouldn't play in the series. Jeff Green, Katie, even if I'm like, if I watch these, these, these contests on Kevin Durant and I'm like, there's nothing that anyone else could do. Katie doesn't feel him. He doesn't feel him at all. So you're not gaining anything with him. Like the only, only reason to really put, play Jeff is size. He doesn't rebound and he doesn't like, he doesn't feel him at all. So there's zero reason and not playing him in a third quarter when you're up big to give him that experience to be like, let's get him some minutes so that he's accustomed to it when you're probably going to need him in game six, because you roll it. They're going to roll into game six with the same rotation. The bench is going to be a minus 15 and we're going to be back at, at home for game seven. Like, if he doesn't shit, unless, unless just like Booker is really banged up and can't, like if the Suns, if they win, if they lose games, if the Suns lose game six, I think it's because the Suns imploded. And I say that largely only because of the bench, because the Nuggets starters have been fine. So it was a mistake. I kind of like this. I kind of like this take from um, D Hume here. Jeff Gray, Jeff Green with Jokic seemed to work. I, this is the thing that makes it hard. And you can open up a rotation to nine guys whereby two of them are just playing like super short stints. I actually think it's okay. Teams do it, but I don't mind Jeff green as much with Jokic in part because everybody's good with Jokic and Jeff just has length. And the length at that point, Jeff's length becomes a positive and, and, and it makes an impact. But when he's not there, I do think he slows down the second unit offensively. And I think that defensively he's like caught in between with Jock Landale and there he's not, his length doesn't help on Jock. And then he's rotating and all this or that. The broader point though, to me, Matt, this is why Murray's end of the first quarter to me was so frustrating. Denver was up 15. Maybe Peyton Watson did get ready to check in, honestly. Denver was up 15 points with the ball with a two-for-one opportunity. Murray gets blocked at the rim. Sun score. Murray had another turnover, a bad shot. I can't remember what it was, but it was a bad play. Sun score. 15 points to 11, just with momentum kind of being drained. It just felt like... Man, do you put Peyton Watson in to start the second quarter if you're up 15? And if you're up 11, is it just a little bit harder to say, like, well, now it's within striking? If you're up 15 and they go on an 8-0 run, you're up 7, you say, all right, that didn't work. We gave Peyton a chance. We pull him out. It didn't work. We're up 7. When you're up 11, we saw what happened. That lead was gone in three minutes with the bench. They were up 11. It was gone halfway through the second quarter. So, to me, I think that was part of it. But nonetheless, I do think that when you watch Aaron Gordon, you mentioned guarded Booker a little bit more in this game, whether it was by design or just by happenstance. And he did a really, really good job. Michael Porter was on him a handful of times, did a really, really good job. They're not better than KCP at moving their feet. They're not better at fighting through screens. They're not better at any of that stuff. They're just longer. And I honestly think with the guys, the length matters so much. And that's what Peyton Watson has. The reason you want a stable of different types of defenders is so you can say, what is needed in this matchup? Oh, it's length. Let's throw our lengthy guys out there. And that's why I think Peyton Watts, I would have loved to have seen him. I think it could have made a real impact. And the last night just felt like the perfect opportunity with the cushion you had to get to give it a go. So I'm bummed also, you know, they won the game. But there's a larger battle at place. If Denver wins this series, they're halfway there, Matt. This feels kind of far, right? Like they're not that close. They're only halfway. You're going to want to have more answers the further you go. Um, and so, Are yeah. Are you going to feel more confident putting him in versus LeBron? That's the thing. It only gets harder from here. But on, but the thing is, is it might not be LeBron. This is why I'm saying there's 
You have KCP, who's a good defender. Bruce Brown, who's a good defender. Christian Brown, who's a good defender. Aaron Gordon, who's a good defender. And Peyton Watson, who we don't actually know yet, but could be a good defender. They're all different. They all are going to have better matchups. Oh, this is a good matchup for Bruce. This is a good matchup for KCP. And I just think that there's a real chance Peyton Watson is the right matchup for Devin Booker. And Denver not going to it is concerning because there might be another matchup later on where you say, hey, it'd be nice if this was the guy for this specific thing. I agree. I, I agree. And, and to, totally. I think it's a missed opportunity. But like, you know, I think as always, you just got to look at the, um, I guess, I guess maybe a, be- a good way to think of it is like Malone so far hasn't held them, held them back to the point of them losing. So like you can, if, if, if that's, if that's how you want to look at it, you can look at it that way. Um, but we can also look at it this way. Landry Shamit won a game for the Suns. Jock Landale won a game for the Suns. Lonnie Walker won a game for the Lakers. You know, uh, Michael Green won a game for the Warriors. The team, like, it's important to go into a series and say, this is, I think, the point of a whole season. One of the reasons the regular season is becoming kind of frustrating is that it really is just a preamble to the postseason and nothing else. And I do think there is something to figure out as many answers as you can throughout the season while winning as many games and making your best punch. You're still strong, but just figure out as many answers as you can, because you never know what question gets thrown your way. And I just worry a little bit about the fact that Denver is the only team in the NBA that has an eight man rotation, all 11 games now that they've played or 10 games that they've played. And I just look at it and go, man, it's as much as it is really positive. I just worry that the flexibility is not going to be there. And I will say not to get ahead of ourselves, if you play the Lakers, that's a team that's going to require way more creativity. I don't think they're good. I don't think they're a great team, but I think that they're a weird team, and you have to like form around what they're not good at. Two things. One, I completely agree with you on all these points, but we're like this is an off-season conversation of like they should have done X, Y, and Z. Like hindsight, why didn't they do this in the regular season? Like, I think it's a now. playoff discussion. We're talking about a team that has championship aspirations. So it's sure. fair to me to say, is the process that has brought you to within one game of the Western Conference Finals, is that the best process to get you to the end of the finals? And that's all I'm saying is, I'm glad that it's worked to this point, but I am a little concerned that Denver has been the least flexible team so far in the playoffs in terms of personnel. The other thing I will say is the the converse of what you're pointing out is a lot of t- like do you remember what anthony irwin's reaction to when lonnie walker came in oh yeah we're freaking out about yeah how, yeah and this, but this is also part of it is like sometimes it's if it, it's like oh what a brilliant move and sometimes it's like he just fucking threw a guy out there like i mean threw- even money williams the, my point with money williams was he spent three games basically trying the wrong combos and then he and found he, one it's like okay there it is but he also ran out of guys that's yeah, like well, part of it too. Just... He just like ran out of guys, you know? And I think that's like part of this equation too. It's it's also funny to me hearing you talk about it because I listen to other pods. Like I listen to not just Suns pods, but other ones. And they're like, Denver's so deep. And I'm always like, it's really funny to me. Like there's, there is like this person because, you know, Christian who had a really great second half last night, I did not like his first half, but the second half was great. And Bruce are so good. So it's like, you've got seven and, it does like most teams. I will say like most teams aren't running ten deep. The Lakers are a very weird exception to this to this situation. We can admit that, right? Because they're thrown together 
at the they're, deadline. They're, they're, the, the Lakers are – I mean, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because there's still more here. But the Lakers yeah. are a team to me that tests how flexible you are because they're not good. They're just a little weird and they have top-heavy talent. And then the other pieces around them are like, they're not good, but can you not play directly into their hands? And I'm telling think- you, some of this – some of this is Denver's biggest tendencies do play into their hands. So I'm just a little concerned. I agree. Like, I think you should be concerned. That's, that's completely fair. And like, I actually wrote about this over at action. Like here's a good, here's more, here's a good example of what you're talking about. We always talk about finding answers in the playoff series, right? Yeah. Like that's what ham has done to Kerr. Okay. They win game one. Kerr goes, okay, we're going to put Jamichael green in and to make it to where, um, to like change this up. So then they switch it up and they have 80 guard Jamichael. So you can't put him in pick and rolls. Okay. So Kerr goes to Peyton. So then the Lakers put in another wing, like that they have countered everything that Kerr has tried to do, which is a reflection of both like the Warriors roster, not having the options for Kerr that he needs and right. a reflection of the Lakers basically being like, yeah, no, I can throw out Rui Hachimura, Jared Vanderbilt, Lonnie Walker, Dennis Schroeder, I can do, like, they can go to whoever because the only two guys that got to play, the only two guys that got to play are LeBron and AD. Everybody else is liquid versus, like, if you have a rotation and you're just like, this is it. Um, And, yeah, like, I think it's absolutely a concern. Like, you should be concerned. But, like you mentioned, they got to get through the game six. Um, Look, I don't get to have a – I don't get to have an opinion on game six. I don't get I don't get to have one. I doubt them in game five. I can't sit here and be like – what like what what validity do I have? So I will ask you, what do you think happens in game six? Dog fight. I think it's the closest game of the series. Um and I, and I don't really know. I mean, I kind of lean to Denver's the better team. I just I feel so confident about that. And you know, if Denver lost the series, if they end up losing the series, I really do think it would be a major disappointment. Because I think that they are meaningfully better. There's series where it's like it, they're better, but it's close enough. Anything can happen. And with two games to go, the the variance is high enough that sure anything can happen. But to me, Denver's the better team. Booker's going to play better. You're probably going to get a role player who plays better. Kevin Durant's probably going to play better. But I do think that Denver unlocked something about hey, a lot of this is just wear Booker down. Just don't let him be the best version of himself, make him work a little bit so that it just takes 10% off his efficiency. And if you do that, you should win. So I think Denver wins, but I think it's probably the closest game of the series. The margin for error and um, Brendan Clayton over on Locked on Suns talked about this last, last night, that it's the, the margin for error with the Suns is going down as the series goes on. Like it started in a bad place and it's getting lower. And like, that's a real problem for them. Like they just yeah. don't have a lot of margin for error here. And like that's the that's the Booker thing. Like Booker increased their margin of error because if Book's going to shoot eighty percent from the field, that increases your margin for error. I mean, they've won two games in the series, Matt. Booker was twenty of twenty five and fourteen of eighteen. And I'm not trying to just whittle it down to that, but he really does have to play to that standard for them to have a chance. And those games were closer, by the way, than the other three, which were yeah. less close. So to me, I look at it and I go, I think Yoke's going to play great in game six because he's played great in every game. I think Booker's going to play great in game six because he's played great in every game. I think KD will be great. So now it comes down to how well do you defend? How well do you stop transition? How And do you get some two people to step up? Michael Porter, Bruce Brown, KCP, Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray. That's why I think Denver wins is they just have more possibilities for somebody to tilt it in their scales, where I think the Suns have fewer. 
David O'Connor touches on this, and this is where Suns fans are, is anyone that watched the series knows the Nuggets are the better team, but so are the Suns last year against the Mavs. Like, that's where Suns fans are at, is they're like, well, look, we, we were the better team and up 3-2, and we should have won that series, but we but we lost game six on the road, and then we destroy, like got destroyed in game seven at home. So Who was the best player play? in that series? Luka Doncic. Who's the best series player in this one? Nikola Jokic. This, that's a major difference here. And look, it could oh. become Booker. I mean, Booker can go back and have two more games. Even though he's had two of the best games of his life already in this series, it's possible he has two more of the best games of his life. It's entirely possible. But to me, I bank on and, – and by the way, one of my favorite games that's gone by the wayside of Jokic in his career was game six against the, the Blazers. Yeah. Jokic in closeout games has actually been pretty dominant. You remember his first career high, 43 in game six against the Spurs. They lost that one. But Jokic has a history of, hey, it's time. Let's put, put our foot on the gas. I just think that I, I'm i hopeful for another performance like that from Jokic where the game is close enough, fourth quarter, he knows exactly what to do to put this thing away. Uh, additionally, I will mention that pro, the, the Suns probably had COVID last year. Just like that's a very likely possibility. Well, that, 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 that too. Um I have a surprising number for you. Okay. Game six at home favored, which the Suns are in game. Are they? They are favorites. What is it? Uh, Three and a half, I believe is the number. Oh, that's kind of a big favorite. That's Um, bigger than I expected. It is. Yep. Three and a half. Wow. Um, Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you got to kind of flip it, like, think about it for home court. This basically says now that the Nuggets would be a one and a half point favorite on neutral, which that sounds about right. Um, however, game six at home favored down three, two. I would expect this number to be high. It's not 29 and 34 since 2003, 46%. So, so the home, the favored home team loses, loses actually more than they win. Yes. Interesting. Um, I will say, like, so here's here's the thing: the Nuggets haven't been good on the road all year. The Nuggets, yeah, this great. is that part's true. The Nuggets have been great at home all year. So one of those things is going to have to change, or we're going to see a pretty chalky Nuggets in seven. We'll see what happens. Um, okay, great show. So I will say, Game Seven to me is like it's terrifying. Denver's been in them a lot, although albeit it's been a while. But game seven is often about shot making, and yeah, do, do you do you want it? Do you do you want a Jokic, Murray, MPJ, Aaron versus KD and Book in a in a shot making competition? I agree. Is this, I, I agree. mean, just so it becomes kind of random, man. But I mean, look, I, I'll just I'll say, look th- to me, this is this is in the Nuggets' hands in Game Six. I'm not going to predict it, but I will say they came out passive. I was at those games. They came out passive in three and four. If you don't come out passive, if you take it to them, you have the margin for error. But they got to dictate it. They have to dictate the tone. Yeah. You don't. You can't settle in in Game Six. And you mentioned like a little bit of the quit. That's a big thing in this. If the Nuggets get out and they're not up two, if they're up, if they're up by double digits or eight eight ish after the first quarter, the Suns are going to start. That doubt's going to really creep in because they like you can tell that they're just like, man, we just don't have a lot of guys. Yeah. Everyone knows it. What about you know, the Aiton factor? What about the Chris Paul factor? I mean, is, was he ruled out for game six yet? He said he's going to try and play. That's just an interesting wrinkle variable that could swing either way. Um, and then the other part of this is 
and this I'm going to overstate this one because this one's way smaller, but Aiton is the whipping boy of Phoenix Suns fans and Phoenix Suns teammates and Phoenix Suns coaches. This might be game six might be the last game of Aiton's career. I would not put it past like Suns fans booed him. I think in game three, mm-hmm. if you fall behind early on and Jokic is eating Aiton alive, I wouldn't put it past <laughs> Suns fans should be cautious about booing Aiton, man. You don't want a guy to quit on you in the, in the middle of game six when he's like, you know what? I'm out of here. Anyway. I have an interesting question. Why did Jock Landale play 16 minutes? I don't know. Yeah. I, I Part of me kind of wonders if that was Monty's version of like, let's save it for six. Uh, I mean, but here's the thing. Jock Landale is effective against Denver's bench. He's not effective against Jokic. I agree. I'm just like, if he's your better option, I, I just can't think of a reason why he didn't play more. I can't understand why Jock Landale didn't play more. Playing it like they needed the Nuggets need to make sure Aiden stays out of foul trouble. So that's a that's a thing. All right, great show today. Thanks for joining us. We'll back tomorrow. We'll preview a little bit more game six. We'll set you up for that game. Friday we'll be back for reaction after game six, uh, and we'll either wrap up the series and look forward to the Western Conference Finals, or we'll talk about game seven. We'll uh, hit you up then. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have yourselves a great week. We'll see you guys again next time on Locked On Nuggets.